Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Piria and Elizabeth Zhovkova. Today we speak to green technological entrepreneur Lubomila Yordanova. She is the founder of Plan A, the first emission reduction software which allows businesses to calculate, monitor and reduce their carbon footprint. Lubomila talks about the most recent challenges in fighting global warming and the importance of every small act, paving the way to a more sustainable future of the world. Hi Lubomila, we are delighted to have you here with us today. Let's start from the very beginning. How the idea about Plan A was born? Can you tell us more about it? Uh, thank you so much for having me, first of all, uh, and giving me the opportunity to tell you a bit more about Plan A. Uh, the idea about Plan A started uh, um, a few years ago. Uh, I was... Uh, after a trip to Morocco, uh, quite devastated by seeing what humans are capable of doing to our planet, uh, I ended up educating myself for six months about climate change, uh, issues of pollution, and also just the correlation between humans and uh, waste. And um, what I noticed when I was educating myself was that there was a really big uh, gap between what people uh, knew about climate change uh, in terms of the general public and what the science had given us. So it's quite clear that there was a lot out there. We knew a lot, supposedly, on, on a cum- cumulative level. Uh, but on an individual level, uh, the education was not there. So the first idea about Plan A was essentially to bridge this gap and make science more approachable, understandable and accessible. Um, today, the idea has taken a different shape. I'm sure we're going to get to this, but uh, this is how it all started. So essentially, I kind of had this big urge uh, to have immediately impact. Thank you, Lubomila. As a result of the present lockdown, CO2 emission has decreased and air quality has improved. Do you think it was time to slow down and do you believe we will continue living in a more conscious way post-pandemic? What is your closer look at the future? Uh, I have a lot of scenarios that are playing in my mind about how the future is going to look. I uh, have obviously the optimistic one where I see how the decrease in emissions and the slowdown um, to be something positive. But then on the other hand, um, there's a lot of negative things that have come as repercussions of COVID. Uh, One is, of course, the aspect that there's been a lot of people that uh, unfortunately died and there's been a lot of people that ended up in um hospital and for the environment itself there's been a lot more waste um there's single-use plastic that is generated on day-to-day basis um and also we're streaming a lot more there's a lot of use of electricity because we're all staying at home um so there's a lot of different ways to look at it and when you put it all together um it is quite complex to see what the future is going to look like because there's the possibility that we end up jumping back to economic recovery where uh, we are only focused on growth uh, without any respect for nature, um, which is obviously a possibility. And then on the other hand, we have the option where 
the new normal that constantly gets to be repeated as a term is actually uh, a system where, which focuses on circular economy, a system which focuses on uh, sustainable living and uh, community living, uh, using services from close by, uh, traveling closer to your home, and all these changes that would, uh, when you sum them up, lead to a more healthy planet. Uh, but what it is going to look like uh, in in the next one year, I wouldn't be able to predict. I have a lot of hope, but I also know that we love growth. You have just mentioned some of the pressing issues of our times. And um, I would like to ask you, what are the other threats for humanity and why there is no plan B to combat climate change? We have a lot of challenges as a society. I think um, one of the biggest uh, validations that came through COVID has been the instability of our supply chains. We are constantly thinking about uh, how optimized our world is, but the truth is, is that we've seen uh, how a really big world level crisis can not only challenge our supply chains but and disturb them, but literally destroy certain, uh, you know, value chains that we've created. So this uh, rethinking this is something that we definitely need to focus on. And in my opinion, is a big opportunity, not only for innovators, but also for governments, um, or uh, kind of not only for startups, but also for governments uh, to find fundamentally different ways of uh, building policies and uh, building uh, opportunities for companies. Um, another big challenge is, in my opinion, our waste management system. Uh, um, we, I'm sure you know that um, over the last few months, just before COVID, uh, even um, like some months before COVID, uh, the European uh, waste management system was really challenged because uh, Southeast Asian countries refused to take our garbage, which for those of you that don't know, uh, or those from the listeners that don't know, uh, it, there's a scheme which allows for governments to send their trash to different geographies. For example, UK sends 25% of its plastic to China. Uh, and the Chinese government, as well as some other nations like Malaysia, Thailand, they now refuse to take our trash, not only the UK, not only the EU. Uh, they just don't want to take anyone anyone's uh, trash internally because they cannot manage this. And now with COVID, uh, putting these two issues together, we face an even more uh, deliberate need for action on that particular topic because we have waste management systems that are not able to withhold the quantities that we produce at the moment. Um, and then a final challenge that I would say, and I think this is quite uh, related to COVID, is that uh, we need to... Uh, rethink the way we connect with nature. The reason why we have COVID at the moment uh, is such a big challenge is because uh, humans have entered spaces which wildlife normally would be uh, reigning in. And it, it's a places where uh, humans should not be allowed or and should not be going. Uh, we now have access to these places and this is how we get to have access to viruses that are uh, transmitted to humans from wildlife. So having to rethink this as well is something really important. How a company can become more sustainable? What are the first steps of becoming more ethical and transparent? And in what way do you assist businesses to achieve that? Um, 
Our way at looking into, into sustainability from a planning perspective is that we empower companies to understand their data related to emission levels and then teach them on how they can reduce their emissions. Um, so uh, for those of you from the audience that don't know what Planet does, we have a software that helps companies calculate, monitor and reduce their emissions. Um, we think that companies have a huge part to play in uh, the transition towards a sustainable society. Uh, we know that the best 70% um, of emissions on this planet come from businesses. So it clearly is a big contributing factor. Uh, we believe that in the power of data and we also focus all the work that we do in uh, reduction. And this is how our system also in software works. But is a full sustainability in economy a paradox? Can a business be totally carbon neutral? Um, a business being active is immediately meaning uh, consumption, which immediately means emissions. Um, so I, uh, you know, uh, there's no way for anyone to be zero emissions because you would always be emitting. You, every single existing creature on this planet, even animals, emit. Um, so um, I, I guess it could be considered as a philosophical paradox. Uh, I would think that uh, sustainability is a mindset. So embedding sustainability as a mindset in a company is totally possible. Um, and doing this is something that does take time, it does take effort and um, requires for a company to have a certain level of sophistication of understanding what is emissions, what is waste, what is water waste and kind of combining all these understandings into one to then kind of embed these uh, um, re regulations within the company, behavioral patterns so that the company becomes more sustainable. So. I would kind of divide the idea of sustainability and carbon neutrality. Being sustainable is totally possible for a company. Being carbon neutral, uh, it's not that it's not possible, but company can compensate, they can do offsetting, which kind of gives them the possibility to call themselves carbon neutral, but companies not emitting is not possible because with our activities on a daily basis, we emit. Can you please tell us a bit more about offsetting remaining emissions? So um, offsetting is an industry that has started existing many, many years ago, um, and um, it is unregulated. What does this mean is that um, how it essentially works is that you, uh, there's bodies like the UN, for example, there's gold standard, there's a few other bodies that uh, certify certain projects, and they certify certain projects that uh, tangibly can calculate how much CO2 emissions they have reduced um, from coming into existence. So let's take the example of planting trees, which is quite of a common one. Um, you plant X amount of trees and over the course of five to 10 years, uh, five actually not because five-year-old five trees are really young, uh, but 10 to 20 years, uh, these trees would be able to uh, reduce X amount of CO2 uh, in, uh, in the air. Um, how, when this project exists, like it gets a certification that X amount of trees have been planted, they have been able to, uh, you know, grow healthily, and they would be able to uh, compensate the CO2 that is being created. 
On the other side of the story, there's companies, individuals that can go and uh, work with one of the offsetting companies uh, that uh, there's thousands of them these days um, and calculate how much CO2 they are emitting on day-to-day -day basis, on monthly basis, on yearly basis. There's a lot of different calculators and um, the calculator would give them a number and this number would indicate for them how much they need to pay in order to compensate for these CO2 emissions. So this is the most simplistic way that I can explain how the system works. You have offsetting projects on one side that have some sort of a CO2 um, reduction value. And then on the other hand, you have people and companies that emit um, and they go towards these projects and they purchase credits from these projects to be able to compensate uh, for, uh, for their own uh, consumption, existence, emitting. Um, so, um, what's interesting to know about this industry, as I said in the beginning, is that it's unregulated. What this means is that uh, there's a lot of different projects out there, there's really good quality offsets, there's really bad quality offsets, and the price really varies. So you have uh, offsetting projects that per ton you would be able to buy a credit for three euros, but there's other projects where you can buy a credit for 1,500 euros. Uh, it shows you that there's discrepancy, obviously, in the type of project. So, you know, um, but I, as I would lay myself to kind of know a bit about this topic, anything that is at the cost of three euros is really low quality project because there's most likely no community value for it. Um, so this is uh, just giving some kind of fundamentals about offsetting and if I can finish maybe with what's happening at the moment on the market, there is thousands of new companies that have been popping up and uh, many of them offer individuals and companies the opportunity to offset, so compensate for their CO2 emissions. Um, and uh, have obviously different ways of kind of showing impact, some show impact uh, in terms of kind of what does the project uh, do, what it is done, uh, others don't. In Plan A, what we focus on is on projects that have really high community value. So the partners that we work with, are project owners, people that are on the ground, uh, so there's no people taking cuts uh, while the money are moving uh, from one place to the other, which is unfortunately also something quite typical for the industry. Um, and we also don't take uh, um, projects that go under a certain price because we always look at what is the breakdown between uh, what is nature going to benefit, what is the community going to benefit and how this project is actually uh, efficient in terms of CO2 reduction. So this is a bit of an overview, of course, it's like quite of a big uh, topic. I can go into discussing a lot more, uh, but this is maybe just an overview for you to have. Alongside the platform, you have an academy. How can we instill the culture of sustainability in future generations? Uh, the academy is something that we have uh, developed since day one of Plan A, and uh, it is a really important aspect of our activity. Uh, the idea of the academy since day one has been to digest and also uh, disseminate scientific knowledge and uh, connect it to the day-to-day -day activities of an individual. Uh, what this would mean is that you would be able to read not only about the theory uh, on a scientific level, but then understand how this theory uh, applies in terms of uh, 
solutions in terms of companies that are developing uh, maybe prototypes, maybe they're developing some technological solutions that are based off this science uh, and address the issue. And you would also get pragmatic suggestions on how you can apply this uh, newly acquired knowledge in your day-to-day. Um, we think that the uh, new generations, uh, um, the ones that already have a certain sustainability mindset, so in the way that we speak you know, on the academy, uh, which is not targeted to one particular uh, age uh, range, it targets like the wider audience, uh, anyone is welcome to be there. Um, we speak with a lot of respect uh, about science, but we also explain uh, uh, the issues in a way that everyone, even if they're not informed about sustainability, can understand what uh, we're talking about. Um, and uh, it is an opportunity through humor, through positivity, to connect to the future generations and give them an opportunity to uh, learn how they can be part of the action. We have collaborated with Plan A in its initial phase when it was only a platform for donation to climate-related projects and causes. You have achieved so much since then. How did you make the next step up and what were the challenges in the transformation? Plan A has lived a few lives over the last two years and I'm really happy we've had the chance uh, to work with you and to have had your support when we were uh, so uh, uh, fresh uh, to the sustainability discussion. I uh, really appreciate that you trusted us at this uh, moment in time. Um, what has uh, been particularly important for uh, our team and for me as the, um, as the person that is kind of driving the business decisions within the company um, has been to always learn from feedback and always learn from uh, the challenges that we have seen. Because once you're building a business, you notice that some people accept what you're doing in a really positive way. Other people maybe have some criticism. Um, and it's really important to learn to listen to all of the opinions, not only to the good ones, because there's always some sort of a, a new uh, piece of information that you can get from these people that maybe are not as positive about what you're doing. Um, so we listened to feedback over the years and also we were noticing how the market was moving. Um, and we started seeing that um, there was a lot more interest from the business side in uh, working on sustainability topics and addressing climate change altogether. Um, so we ended up essentially putting our uh, time and effort into kind of digging a bit deeper into this topic, which is where this software that I mentioned earlier can, comes in place. Um, it's really, really important when you um, kind of uh, work through building a company to understand how to uh, adapt yourself because you're never going to be by yourself on the market. There's always going to be other people. There's always going to be a lot of companies. There's going to be uh, competition. Um, and listening uh, to what the market tells you and uh, understanding where you see a lot of challenges, it could be kind of a sign of the universe that you should be focusing your time on other activities and there's always something that is working a lot better than the other uh, so this is how we ended up kind of um, going against the challenges that we faced and um, making sure we kind of take the next steps and become a bit more uh, successful each step of the way as a tech startup you rely on the power of the internet and social interconnectivity 
What are its advantages and disadvantages in fighting global warming? Uh, there's beauty in technology because you're able to access places from all around the world and uh, essentially not have to uh, travel. Uh, you can speak to people from all over the world online. You can spread a message really easily. And um, that's definitely been a massive advantage for us because we have people that we collaborate with that are from Japan, people that we work with from um from uh, the US and uh, some of these people we've never met. Um, what is uh, quite um, amazing in also this aspect is that uh, you really understand how big the planet is and you really understand how many the issues are. So I think being an internet company, being a tech startup allows you uh, to quite quickly, uh, especially when you're working on the climate change topic, become a lot more uh, humility driven. Uh, I've always had humility because obviously you can't work on climate change without uh, this characteristic within you. But the fact that I can see what's happening in Congo, uh, I can see what's happening in Malaysia, uh, in Albania and anywhere else in the world and learn about these challenges within the span of half an hour I become more equipped to be acting on climate change. So I think this has been a massive advantage that we have, and I'm really grateful for the internet uh, for that. Um, on the other hand, the disadvantage, of course, is that uh, sometimes we um, are consumers uh, because of the fact that the internet has made us so spoiled and having so much information at the same time. Um, you have uh, a lot of... Uh, learnings that you can do on the internet but you can also end up being a slacker and also be end up being quite uh i would say uh disturbed or uh even distracted by all the information that you're getting on the internet so um you your compassion level maybe goes low um because you've seen this before there's challenges with the environment in Borneo, there's challenges with the environment in uh, Kenya. And, you know, you, you've heard this before. You've seen this before. The same photos, the same stories, the same people. Um, so this is an, a disadvantage of fighting climate change online because uh, sometimes you can lose the attention of people quite easily because of that. Another uh, challenge is definitely and kind of disadvantage is that uh, the internet on a practical level is quite energy heavy uh, and we still haven't figured out as a society a way to be more energy efficient. We're still relying a lot on fossil fuels and it is really depends on which country you're based, but uh, it could be quite of a dirty activity given how much streaming is done, given how much, you know, uh, uh, activities are done online. So, uh, yeah. I would sum up that the two advantages are definitely that you can uh, connect to a lot more people from all over the world and become more educated about the issues um, and also uh, have like a big, big pool of knowledge that is enabled by the internet. But then on the disadvantage side, uh, you have low levels of compassion because people are saturated by information and of course, like the practical issue of energy consumption. And finally, Lubamila, what are some of the boldest and most exciting examples in the fight against climate change that have already been tried across the world that we can learn from and be inspired by? Um, 
it's quite of an exciting moment to look for these examples because on one hand we need a lot of them because uh, there's a challenge because of COVID to the sustainability uh, agenda. Um, there's a possibility that we focus on economic growth and uh, if we do that with full speed we might forget about some of the sustainability fundamentals that we've been able to build over the last few years. Um, so thank you for this question. Um, with regards to what we have seen over the last few months, uh, I would say one uh, amazing initiative by Climate Kick, which is the European Union climate change uh, fighting body, uh, if I could call them like that, um, is called Moments Matter. Um, I would encourage anyone from your listeners to go there. It's essentially an online uh, movement of uh, micro moments. The idea is that we don't need a revolution. We need uh, these small steps that push us to become more sustainable uh, in, uh, in our uh, little acts rather than um, going and, you know, uh, being in tens of thousands of uh, uh, people doing exactly the same thing. Um, and another one that maybe it's, you know, the moment when I can plug in uh, something that we have done. Um, a few days ago, uh, we launched the Green Tech Alliance. Uh, the point of this movement is uh, to put together all the green tech startups from all over the world and uh, to connect them to over 150 advisors from media, top venture capital funds, um, also people that have expertise in pitching, marketing, sales, and give them the opportunity to push forward the community and uh, push forward the sustainability agenda together. Um, the idea behind this Green Tech Alliance uh, started a few weeks ago when COVID kicked in and a lot of friends of mine that are also building green tech startups uh, were talking to each other and we just found out that uh, everyone feels quite concerned about the fact that sustainability is, uh, you know, not as going to be moving as quick because of COVID. And uh, we said that we need to push forward all these startups that we know have been working for years now, following the science, not doing any greenwashing, being incredibly transparent. Um, so we put together this and literally I'm so overwhelmed uh, in a positive manner by the incredible response that we've gotten uh, just for the short amount of time that we have been uh, existing, which is literally less than five days. Uh, so if anyone is interested, just go on greentech.earth and um, check out, uh, and anyone can apply, it's totally for free. Um, and yeah, these are the two movements that I would mention and I'm, uh, uh, I'm super happy. Thank you so much for the insightful conversation, Lavonia. Thank you for having me.